Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 223 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So thrilled that you're here with me today to talk to Jana Ruth, who was a delight to talk to. And we talked about transforming trauma into art, which is something I think we do so often, both in fiction and in memoir. So um, stick around for that. It's a good, interesting, deep conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it. What's been going on around here? What hasn't been going on around here? Good things. I'm feeling lots, lots better. Still working on getting diagnoses and stuff and having tests and things like that. But I'm able to be in my chair happily all day, most every day of the week for the last uh, week and a half or so. So that has been wonderful to feel that energy again. And I must say that my new process that I shared with you last week so I've been doing it now for two weeks, is so cool. It's so good. Oh my God. For me, in my life where it is right now, it works very well for me to designate a day with a large task in it. Instead of trying to do a little bit of a lot of dark, a, a lot of heavy time consuming tasks on one day, I'm breaking them up into days. So Mondays and Fridays are for working on my current project, which is right now a novel. Tuesdays are for teaching. Thursdays are for talking, doing stuff like this, making the videos for my classes. And Wednesdays are for the creative nonfiction, the memoir stuff that I do. And yesterday was a Wednesday. And I had the best time. There's always this sense of guilt when I am working on nonfiction, when I'm producing episodes for You're Already Ready, or writing essays for the Patreon, or working on the four different nonfiction books that I'm working on right now. There's always this little voice nagging at me saying, you know, you should be working on one project, and it should be the Quincy book, which is the book you're focused on right now. How dare you do this? And to give myself a full day to do that, and to give myself these full days just to focus on one thing has been truly, truly awesome and liberating and makes me feel so happy. So I can recommend identifying one big task per day and trying to get it done instead of like I've always done before, trying to get 73,000 important things done in one day. So I, I may be the last person to learn this, but you know, I got there. On Friday, speaking of this, Friday was a working on my current project day, and I finished the book. The tentative working title is Quincy Maddow Wants Her Stuff Back, and I finished the first draft. And what that means for me is I wrote The Dark Moment, and I realized this is such a dark moment. She has lost everything now. And I, it's a good one. So I can't easily get her out of it. I don't know how to get her out of it. It's, it's so dark that I need to take some time away from it. And for me, that looks like going back and starting my revision process. So it's, I consider it finishing a draft, even though I always tell everybody to finish their whole draft and then have the satisfaction of writing the end at the end. I can't do it that I have to kind of cheat myself every time and say, nope, I got as far as I can, and now I need to start revision. For me, that is a complete draft if I get to write the full dark moment, which I did. So on Monday, I started revising. And right now, here's my plan, and it's not conventional. 
but what my agent would like is for me to write out a full synopsis. So I'm reading the entire book with my revision process and and making a plan of what I want this book actually to be. Because right now, it is trash mountain. It is a pile of garbage. I am not being... I'm not belittling, belittling myself. It is just not good. It is not readable. But in my revision plan, I come up with what the book actually is going to be. That is my revision plan. From there, I can write her a synopsis. After that, I'm going to write the first, I don't know, three to six chapters. I'll probably get up to the inciting incident and make those good. So I will revise them and then I'll do some more revision and then I'll do some more passes. Kind of like I would do on a full book, but I don't want to do that for this. I want to send her the synopsis and these first really clean, really good chapters, which she can then try to sell on proposal without the whole book being in hand. If you're a first-time author, you cannot do this, um, period. You can't do it for fiction and you generally can't do it for memoir unless you are, you know, Kardashian famous. So, um, but once you are established and you've already proven that you can finish books to deadline, that's when you get to do this. It may not work. Um, she may try to sell it and nobody bites. And then I have to revise the whole thing and make it fantastic and then make it irresistible that we may end up having to go down that route. I hope not because number one, I like selling books. And number two, I like revising to deadline. So that would be awesome. After I send that package to my agent, my next current project on the docket will be to do kind of the same thing for the terribly dark thriller that I told you about last week, which I'm not going to tell anybody about, but it is so dark, so horrifying that I want to read it. So I'm going to do the same thing, write out a synopsis as best I can, because everyone hates a synopsis, people. We hate writing them, Editors and agents hate reading them. They're dry, they're dull, but you do the best you can. And then I'm going to write out three to six, hopefully fantastic chapters that she can also then try to sell on proposal. Wouldn't that be awesome? Great. So those are the things coming up for me on my Monday and Friday writing days. Uh, oh, other news. Let's see. I had a book bub in middle of January. can't remember exactly when it was. My amazing assistant, Ed, is a book bub whisperer. And I just want to say, since the Biden administration came into office, I have sold so many more books. And I know that I personally have had just more bandwidth in my brain to read. Also, I have more bandwidth because I've taken most of the apps off my phone, uh, which has really helped with quieting some of the noise. So I'm enjoying that. Speaking of noise, I don't know what's going on on the street. Sorry if you hear strange noises. Um, also in news, I have been getting some of my rights back for older books. I got my rights back for A Life in Stitches, which is a my collection of essays um, that it, like in a memoir form. And that book came out in, I want to say 2012. So it's been nine years. I'm really excited to get this back. The physical book went out of print maybe six or seven years ago. No one's been able to buy that. But because they were still selling the um, the digital version and because I wasn't diligent about trying to get my rights back, I've just been letting them sell the Kindle version, right? So that kind of kept it in print. However, now I have all of my rights back. They are going to unpublish. Chronicle Books is going to unpublish that book. And then I get to buy a new cover. I get to do editing. I get to add, I'm going to add two essays and an introduction, which will make it attractive for even people who bought the book 
in the past who loved the book. Now I get to offer them kind of an added bonus value, second edition, which I will be able to offer cheaper than Chronicle Books was able to. I think they're selling it at $9.99 and I'll probably sell it at $5.99. And I'll make 70% of that instead of making 25% of net. So that's exciting. It's quite a bit of work to do. But I also got back the rights for books one and three in the Cypress Hollow series, um, which was my first series. So this is my first book. I just got the rights back for How to Knit a Love Song. And the third book, very exciting because there's five books in that series. And I would love to be able to, and the the fourth and the fifth book are mine in all countries except for Australia, where they own the rights. I might try to get my rights reverted there too. So then I would own all five outright. But right now I don't have number two. HarperCollins still has that. And they have it because uh, in their in their decl- in their declination of rights reversion, they said we we will not revert these rights because there are still books in the warehouse. And apparently, as a term of this particular contract, rights can't revert if they're still holding on to books in the warehouse. Why they have a ten year old book with physical copies still in a warehouse that they haven't remaindered? Total mystery to me. But I did something that I'm proud of. I wrote to them. I found out that there were 54 copies sitting in a warehouse somewhere. And there's this uh, thing inside publishers called special sales. And special sales will sell uh, the books to the author generally at 50% off. You don't make any royalty on them, but you can buy them for that. And then you can sell them if you wanted to or do what you want. So I wrote to the special sales department and I am requesting to purchase the 54 copies of those books they're $13.99. Um, so I did the math. And if I'm paying half price on those, I'll end up spending $377. $377 to get all five books in under my control so that I can then set the first book to free and have Ed, my assistant, run book bubs on that and get them get to drive them all the way through a five book series that I'm proud of. I am super, super excited about doing this. And I've already heard back from them. And that is getting underway. So kind of big stuff happening around me, a lot of stuff. And it feels really good after having more than a month basically off feeling so badly. And uh, now to have this motion around me is is delicious. I'm loving it. And I'm also trying to, I'm trying to rest before I need rest, which is if you're a person like me, that does, you don't even understand what I just said, <laughs> but I'm trying to learn how to do it. Resting before I need rest. And in fact, as soon as I finish this recording, instead of spending the hour that I would have free that I would normally fill with Slack and email and all of those things that need to get done, because this is a long working day for me, I've been working from eight and I'll be working till 6.30 tonight because of appointments and coaching stuff. I'm going to go lie on the couch for an hour, even though my brain is saying, Think of everything you could get done in an hour. Think of all the things you could catch up on. No, I deserve rest. I am worthy of rest. And even though I don't feel like resting, it is good for me. So I'm going to go do it. Look at me learning. We can still learn, people. All right. Please enjoy this wonderful interview with Jana. I know you will. I hope that you're getting your writing done. If you are not, why not? Why not do 10 minutes today? Just to stick it to the man to show me that you can do it and then come find me on the internet and tell me how it went. Okay, my friends, we'll talk soon. 
Do you wonder why you're not getting your creative work done? Do you make a plan to write and then fail to follow through again? Well, my sweet friend, maybe you'd get a lot out of my Patreon. Each month I write an essay on living your creative life as a creative person, which is way different than living as a person who binges Netflix 20 hours a week, and I have lived both of those ways, so I know. You can get each essay and access to the whole back catalog of them for just a dollar a month, which is an amount that really, truly helps support me at this here writing desk. If you pledge at the $3 level, you'll get motivating texts from me that you can respond to. And if you pledge at the $5 a month level, you get to ask me questions about your creative life that I'll answer in the mini episodes. So basically, I'm your mini coach. Go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, to get these perks and more. And thank you so much. Okay, well, I could not be more pleased to welcome to the show Jana Ruth today. Hello, Jana. Is it Jana or Jana? Um, or either way. <laughs> either what, do you, way well, uh, what do you prefer? Um, I'm German, so I uh, originally picked a name that could be read either in English or in German. So it's uh, in German, it's Jana Ruth, and in English, it's Jana Ruth. So <laughs> whatever. That is very sensible and clever of you. I, I like that. Okay, let me give you a little introduction to our listeners. In 2016, Jana Ruth's plans for the new year was one submission to an agent. By the end of the year, she had won a writing competition with German publisher Uber Reuter. Am I close at all? and was deep in the throes of publishing a second novel with a group of self-publishers that novel a modern fairy tale retelling with mental health topics went on to win the seraph um, fantastic prize Uh, (laughs) since then jenna has published more than 15 books in german and english since 2016 you've published more than 15 books in german and english that is so exciting Um, You know that this podcast is about process, and I really want to talk to you about process. How do you publish 15 books in the last four years? Let's talk about your writing process, Um, when and where and how and all of that. You know, first of all, you live in the country I am moving to um, in New Zealand. I'm a New Zealander as well as an American, and we're Mm -hmm. moving soon, and we are considering Wellington because we love Wellington. Uh, (laughs) So you're there, you're writing there, and how does it, how does it go? Um, yeah, well, I have the luck to be able to write full time, awesome. not because I can afford it, but um, because, <laughs> you yeah. know, having a husband, <laughs> afford it. Yeah. and hopefully by the end of this year, I'll be getting closer to actually contributing to the family money again. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but until then, I can, um, yeah, I can write until the kids, uh, while the kids are at school. So that gives me about six hours a day. And then I am a terrible night owl. So usually (laughs) as soon as the kids are in bed, that's when my creativity hits. And I, yeah, I write until midnight or later. (laughs) Wow. What time do you get up? Um, During school time at 7.30. How old are the kids? Um, They're between five and 10. How many kids? Three. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you didn't say five or something shocking. In, no, in no, that. no, it's just three. <laughs> well, of course you write at night. The rest of the time you're probably just insanely busy. So are the kids in school? And back in, in New Zealand, they have gone back to school, right? Not yet. Not yet. It's, okay. It's just, yeah. So it's pretty much one more week and they're going to go back next Thursday. 
And then when they're in school, do you write during the day or is it just, are you just a night person? Um, I do write during the day, but usually I use those day hours to do all the admin stuff and, you know, contacting people or, um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very bad with procrastinating. So I sit down and it takes, sometimes it takes me like three hours to get started. <laughs> it's just, I feel that probably be more effective. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand that. Okay. So, so this is a question that I've wondered before about people who write at night, uh, because I'm, I'm just, I'm terrible at it. How does it go when you start to feel sleepy and you're writing? Um, I don't actually. You don't. Okay. That's the answer because I, I get this feeling like yeah. I am going to, like no. my head is going to hit the computer. It's, it's really weird because usually, I mean, there are days where I'm like sleepy the whole day. And I'm like, okay, I have to go to bed early today. And so, and then 10 p.m. hits, and I'm like wide awake, and oh. <laughs> it's really weird. And and yeah, this writing, I think it depends a lot. Like if I'm in a flow, I can keep writing and pushing past the tiredness, which then probably hits around like one or two, or yeah. <laughs> It, it very rarely goes past 2 a.m., but yeah, it, it has happened this week. So. <laughs> Is that when you're in a good flow and things are happening? Is that tend to happen? Yeah, that, that, yeah. that was a really good chapter, and I really wanted to finish it. <laughs> and you write primarily speculative fiction, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have fantastic covers, by the way, too. Um, okay, so do you write, you're, you're obviously you write at home. Do you have an office, or is that where you're sitting here? I, yeah. That's basically my office um, in the back. That's where my husband sits and plays games. <laughs> so it's not just for me and pretty much, especially in winter, because, you know, New Zealand houses aren't the warmest. <laughs> my wife <Sadly>. is terrified <laughs> about that. Yeah. So tell us more. Yep. <laughs> so um, for some reason, the whole family then starts to move into my office. <laughs> Gosh, it's the warmest place. <laughs> also all so, the bodies in it, one it, room it hasn't yeah. really worked with, yeah it hasn't really worked with like closing myself off to have writing time or something it's, it's, yeah but I, you I'm do okay we'll stay out during the interview yeah 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 you're able to write with that kind of distraction around you some people find that it actually helps them does it help you or does it distract you um it, it does distract me that, yeah. that's probably why i'm more productive at night yeah yeah when they're yeah. when they're quiet <laughs> <laughs> what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? Yeah, I would probably say the procrastination. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's just like, especially if I'm not really in the flow yet, it's like I write a uh, hundred words and then have to check Facebook again <laughs> or my emails. I'm sure someone answered me. <laughs> what what techniques do you use to combat that? Okay, so I, I have a like, it's, it's basically like a level approach. So um, most of the time it works to just set a timer, like like a Pomodoro unit and say, okay, I'm writing for 25 minutes and have a five minute break or something. Um, if that doesn't work, I, I love to use word crawls, which are like this, um, it comes from the NaNoWriMo page. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, um, these amazing, like, they work with every kind of story. Like there's a Harry Potter word crawl or a supernatural word crawl or something. And it basically follows the story, but it gives you like little writing tasks, like write a hundred words or throw a dice and multiply the number by a hundred and write that amount or write 20 minutes or to the next thousand or something. And like, and that caught sign, uh, that uh, sort of diversity really helps. It's like it's small tasks, but so you can do them 
rather quickly and but it's like always changing you don't get bored by doing the same thing all the time I have never heard you're of just this. writing and it is and it is through and, NaNoWriMo so that if people are listening and this is the first time yeah. you've heard of it that's National Novel Writing Month and is it on their page is that where you find the word curls it's it's in their forum there's, it's in the forum. Uh, okay. there's uh, one section in the forum I think it's a uh, reaching 50k and okay. uh, they have a sub forum which is word curls and so yeah. smart and it's yeah and it, it it really helps because of the, all the yeah constantly changing tasks and they also take these little tasks so it's basically it's like like eating sweets <laughs> it's like oh, just one more just one more <laughs> I, could do, I could do just a little bit more I love that idea and I'm going to look it up that is brand new to yeah. me and I'm a huge NaNoWriMo fan okay so what is your biggest joy when it comes to writing and this is, will probably surprise many writers but I love editing <laughs> <sighs> me too I, I just, what do you I love about love it that I just love that moment when everything starts to click together and it's, it really feels like puzzle pieces that are suddenly slipping into place and making this good book into a great book and you can really feel how it's getting better and you're like, yes, this is my book. This is a book now. This is not just a story. This is a book now. <laughs> so. so let me let me ask you because I feel like most people come to that realization that they love revision like it's one of the last things we realized. Did you, when, when did you realize that revision was good for me? It, it took a book or two to realize that revision was my sweet right. spot. Um, um, pretty much with the first novel that I did in my noveling part of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I did have a, a, a long time where I didn't write or where I just wrote my series. And um, for that, I didn't really do much revision. It was basically just drafting, drafting, drafting. And then in 2014, I, that was the first time I did NaNoWriMo. And uh, I wrote my first novel. And then um, I, I, I stuck with the page and it st started these revision months. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's just do them. And did you have any fear like, about revision or were you just a jump in kind of no, person? I, no, I was jump in and uh, read all the, all the tips and stuff and then started working on my novel and and it was really fun. That is, I love hearing that. It, I just think that revision is magical. It's really where the fun is for me, for me, and for a lot of other people. Yeah. Can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? Yeah, so my, mine is probably a bit out there. Oh, good. Because, um, <laughs> um, so as I said, I've been writing my series for a long time, and the series is uh, not in prose, but in drama. Um, basically, it's a TV script. Not mm -hmm. that anyone is doing the TV series for it, but <laughs> not yet. Um, not yet. <laughs> we'll see about that. But it has really helped me. Like, so it's just this dialogues and just action points. And just telling a story via dialogues it has taught me so much about first um, writing my dialogues in novels and making them sound natural and have subtext and all these kind yeah. of things. It also taught me about uh, pacing because you have like these short scenes. You don't ever have like long winded talks that go on and on. You, you know, you have like cut, cut, cut basically. Yeah. And it also taught me how to do good hooks at the end of chapters because each scene has to end on something. <laughs> it has to be a, a witty one-liner or it has to be a, a cliffhanger or it has to be something that hooks you onto the next scene. And that, has, uh, I just transported that to my novel writing as well. How does it, how does that work for you when you're in a first draft? Are you doing it more like dialogue and, and the action points, and then you fill it out in revision? Um, because that's um, how you work or how, no. do, how does it work for you? 
I, I mean, I sometimes do that in plotting, like when I have like an idea for a scene, sometimes a dialogue comes immediately to me. So I just write down the dialogue without any uh, insertions or so. Yeah. Um, but but when I'm drafting, it's, it's pretty full. I mean, my weak point is probably um, description. So that can be a bit thin during the first draft. So it's usually something that I, you know, add two, three sentences more. So when I add it, but, um, but mostly it's actually quite readable. I, I would say the first draft is quite readable. If somebody wants to get better at doing dialogue, what would you suggest that they do? Um, speak it out loud, like really talk it through because that's something that we did at the beginning of the series was basically role play um, the dialogue because um, that will tell you whether your dialogue is actually natural and not stilted or anything and um, and because a lot of dialogue is isn't just like you know we don't speak complete sentences we constantly interrupt each other and you know we don't answer the questions that people are asking no. us. We avoid. That's one of those things that that I used to think, yeah. like if somebody answered, asked a question that the other character would have to answer it. Half the time, we don't in real life, especially exactly. when we're in a relationship with somebody. We, uh, yes. we, we avoid questions. <laughs> and I now mean, you, you still have to edit it, but because... Yeah. Uh, because really natural dialogue, you don't want to read that in a book because that's a lot of, um, uh, uh, <laughs> so. Yes. You said we, when we were working on it, were you working oh. with a team or? Um, so that series I've been writing since I was 17 and it uh, was basically born out of uh, my best friends and my love for Buffy back then. So we wanted to write our own version of it. And um, she, since then she has dropped out, but um, she's actually now my editor for it. So it's because now I've been huh. rewriting and publishing it in German as a script version. <laughs> so but I, I will mention too, that you are also an editor as well as a writer. Isn't that right? Um, yep. Do you edit or do you translate into German or do you do both? I, I do both. Uh, so um, I've only started my web page last year, which is Kiwiberry Editing. And um, I do editing. I'm Personally, I have to say I do copy editing, but I really love developmental editing. I'm uh, really yeah. good at that. Yeah. So um, and then, of course, I do translation from English to German and my favorite my, my my love child of the service which is probably not being used enough but please if you have a fantasy map come to me i'm a geologist and i will check your fantasy map and will check whether your rivers are actually flowing downhill because in about 80 percent of all fantasy maps they don't oh my goodness okay so tell me about a fantasy map it is, it is actually a drawn out map is that right i don't really know what yes. one is Oh, yeah. It, it's just uh, a lot of fantasy books, like high fantasy books. Um, they have a map in front and we love maps. Maps are beautiful and it helps you orient yourself. Like, where are they going? Like Lord of the Rings, for example. Where is the right. That's the one going? I'm picturing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, but a lot of them actually have uphill flowing rivers and very weird mountains. <laughs> and especially like climate sounds like there's like deserts next to forests, which is like that. Nah, that's not happening. <laughs> That is I mean, unless you add magic. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then perhaps your rivers could flow uphill. But uh, that is fascinating. And I've never thought of somebody doing that. And that what a great service to offer. Um, also super fun. So geologist is your other, your other. It, it's my previous career. Previous career. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So what um, thing in your life 
affects your writing in a surprising way? Yeah, that's really hard to answer. I thought about that question. <laughs> um, I probably would have to say it's my kids. Like yeah. I, 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 my oldest, he's 10. Um, and he's, he's a storyteller as well. He doesn't know it yet. No, <laughs> I tell him. <laughs> he's like, no, mom, that's it, not me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, he's been basically um, been plotting with me since he was five. And, and he has just this uh, amazing insight. Like I've been um, thinking about that um, middle grade story, which I still haven't written for like the last eight years, but it's always on my list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I've been telling him about it. And it's a little bit about science communication. So it's, uh, there are kids there. They have like monsters, like, so a little bit like Digimon, Pokemon, but it's also um, a, it's supposed to explain geology to you. So my whole exciting bit was oh there's going to be an earthquake and there's going to be a volcano and then he's like but are they going to fight monsters (laughs) i was was like no but it's actually a good idea it's a great (laughs) idea yeah so now they have like these entropies which are like these little entropy of uh, monsters (laughs) and then of course the the, um the, the kids monsters they have of course have to have powers and stuff and it's it's just made it more colorful and it's a, it's, yeah, it's a surprising, but good addition. How, I, I just want to take a moment and appreciate, because yeah. not everybody has this, but I have great in-house counsel. Like my wife is just so good with story. And for those of us who have that in-house counsel, who, who have people who love us, who want to talk about our stories, we're really lucky. If we want that, there are some people who really keep their stories close to their chest and don't talk about these things. But for me, I always get to a sticking point and it's really nice to be able to go to somebody in the house and say, what, what do you think would happen here? Yeah, I I kind of, I mean, it works really well with my oldest. My oldest is always eager, especially if he doesn't have to sleep and can talk through a story instead. (laughs) (laughs) um, My husband is more like, just listening and being like, okay, you're done now. But it helps. It still helps. It still helps him talk, tell him all about it. And then suddenly yes. I get the idea. And so he's, I, I always call him my soundboard. Like he doesn't have to reply. It's just, I need to be able to talk to him. Just make your face look like a pretend, you're pretend listening. That's all I need. <laughs> I mean, sometimes he actually does have good ideas, but most yeah. of the time I'm properly annoying him. <laughs> hilarious I love that about your son that's so cool okay so what is the best book that you've read recently and why did you love it um so I would have to say I I really love the um Sebastian de Castell's um Spellslinger I think it's the Spellslinger series so I've, I read the final book I was uh, pretty much the last best book I read and I just really love his voice so he always does like this first person narrator and it's just really snarky and even though there's lots of action there's even drama it's like it it gets really dark uh, but there's still like this humor in it and Mm. that makes it read so enjoyable Uh, it's it's just it's just really fun to read (laughs) i love that i love that kind of humor and that's the spell singer spell slinger series that is very hard to say (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he also has um, the Great Code series, which I actually loved a little bit better, and it's and that's basically like um, the Three Musketeers in fantasy, and it has like all this action, it has romance, it has darkness, it has humor. It, yeah, like I said, most importantly humor, but it really it has this really action fantasy plot and it just has everything. <laughs> now, what is his name again? Uh, Sebastian de Castel. I think he's a uh, he's a Montreal. Okay. Uh, 
I don't know right. him at all. Fantastic. Thank you for that. And now will you tell us a little bit about your latest, most recent book? What do you want to tell us about it? Okay. I've got to prepare. <laughs> so um, my Gorgeous. most recent book is going to be published uh, next month, on yes. 25th. And it's <clears throat> contrary to what we talked about. It's not a fantasy. And it's uh, called Time to Remember. Time to Remember, exactly. And um, and it's about the Canterbury earthquakes, which oh, I experienced. Wow. You were um, so my ago. my family is yeah. from Christchurch, and that's where my my yeah, people was, are. You were there I was studying geology in Christchurch uh, at that Holy time. Holy cow! <laughs> so um, it's it's my probably my most personal book yet. It's fiction. <gasps> it's more in my other love, which is coming of age stories. Mm. So this is about um, uh, students. So that's a group of people that have been about 10 years old during the earthquake and how it affects them to the state. And mm. yeah, it comes out next month. And <laughs> that really, really, really personal to me. <laughs> is wonderful. And actually, I think I've got a bunch of um, interviews pre-planned. So it'll, this, when this goes live, that will probably, your book will probably be live. So it's called Time to Remember by Jana Ruth. And um so uh, can we, can you tell me a little bit more about being there during it when I, so yeah, I, sure. I had been gone from Christchurch for a long time and we went back probably about five years ago, I would say. And I did not recognize the city. 80% of the buildings are, I know. are, are gone or red zoned or, you know, taken out. Mm. Um, I and I got a migraine from the grief of just driving through the city that I didn't know anymore. What was, what was it like being there? I, I know that feeling. <sighs> I think it was like two years after the earthquakes when they just opened up the red zone mm -hmm. and I was driving through there the first time and it was just like, you, you don't know anymore where you are. You, do, you, you don't, don't know you, where you are. It's it's, yeah. it's like, which, which street am I on? It's yeah. like, it's, it's so weird. It's <laughs> yeah. And where were you when it itself, hit? Okay. So I was at home with mm -hmm. my oldest who was three months old oh at that God. point. I know. <laughs> And I mean, we were incredibly lucky as nothing happened. We didn't lose anyone. We didn't lose anything. We, our home was okay. We also moved at the beginning of March and the new home that we moved into, which was lucky that it was already, you know, all settled and done, um, was fine as well. Um, but still that day, I mean, even 10 years later, I mean, that book, I, I cried during writing it. I cried during editing. I even cried during typesetting it. <laughs> it's like... And, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, uh, it is just uh, such a personal moving thing and um and that day um because i was at home with my boy and my husband was working at university in the rutherford building which is one of the highest ones in Christchurch. <sighs> and he didn't make it home until like four hours later and there's four hours where you're just like home alone you don't you can't contact anyone you're just like Right. sitting and waiting and hoping it, it'll all be good and the baby just... in your arms <laughs> yeah that baby that's that's the other story it's, <laughs> it's, it's um because because he he was a really bad sleeper so we usually went out with a stroller until he was fall asleep and then i left him in the living room just in his stroller um not daring to move him and then i was in the office working on my um, master's thesis and so when the earthquake hit, I, I ran from the office 
to the living room and just threw myself on top of that stroller because there was no time to you know go under a table or anything it was just like get to that baby and hopefully if something happens uh, you know the baby's okay yeah the baby's okay that, that was that was all that was going on he was of course crying like well why are you holding on to me <laughs> He was like, I was getting rocked well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I'm sorry that you went through that. And I, um, as soon as we hang up, I'm going to go pre-order that book because I, I want to read that. So oh, thank you. Oh, that is so exciting. Okay. So tell us where you can be found online. Okay. So I've got a web page, which is uh, jenna-ruth.com. Um, and you can also find me on Facebook where I am very active. I also have an Instagram <laughs> and a Twitter, which uh, the Twitter is somehow just Jenna Mops. But that's that because Jenna Ruth was gone. <laughs> You'll still find me if you look that up. Um, I can't promise I post a lot on there there because with, I have this love-hate relationship with Twitter, which yeah. is like sometimes I post a lot and then I'm gone for months. <laughs> me too. Right now I'm gone. Right now I just... Yeah, I love, at the moment yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to get back into it, but it's uh, it's getting it's slow. And yeah. Perfect. Well, it has been a delight talking to you. Please enjoy the city to which I might be moving and maybe we'll reach out at that point and have a coffee or something. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I would love it. Thank you so much for being on the show and for doing all the work you're doing. And I can't wait to read your book. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>